0: Good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning, Rashad. I don't believe it. No, I don't believe it. You you agree? That was weak, man. You weren't screaming, so I'm blaming you. I, I'm just saying, all right. Man. So, hey, my name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm one of the pastors here at Church on the Rock. Um, I am thankful for everybody who was here. All the faces that we see, and some new faces too. Um, the reason we do that, Good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning, Rashad, is because we really want to know that you're here and that you're engaged in the message. Not because I'm speaking, but because God is speaking. And we want you to actually be in tune with what the word of God has to say to you. So um, we're going to do that one more time. And I know there's a baby back there. Is the baby asleep? Is the baby okay? The baby's okay. All right. Normally, normally I'm mindful of that, but, you know, it's kind of what we do. So babies get used to it eventually. Good morning, Church on the Rock! Good morning, Richard! Amen. So we're, um, we're doing the final uh, sermon series and hello, my name is Hypocrite. It's been an amazing two months, and we have took a break in there, but we're closing this out in Malachi chapter 1. And before we get started, I have a, I got to bring you up to speed on what's going on with me this Sunday. Um, last week, last week, <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> last week, um, I made a confession. I said, hey, God's name is great with or without us, right? And... From week to week, I'll call, I'll call James Walker, I'll, uh, John Flowers is over there. I'll call somebody and I'll complain about how stressed I am about not finishing my message. And they'll be like, You know, wh- where are you struggling? And I was like, I'm struggling with my points. Like, I need my points to alliterate, I need it to have certain words in it, and I'm struggling with my points. And at some point when I was reading Malachi 111, 11, I started realizing God doesn't need my points, God doesn't need my alliteration. God doesn't even need me. His name is going to be great. His word is going to be great, powerful with or without me. So I am making a lot of babies mad right now. (laughs) They want points. See? See? So this week, this week and this week only, because I'm, I'm not a big fan of it, I wanted to prove to myself that I'm not making this about myself. So today's sermon will have no points whatsoever. You, everybody here who's probably been under my teaching has never seen me give a sermon with no points. It's not the prettiest thing, okay? <laughs> but God's word is still amazing with or without the points. So no points today. This is me trying to show you what it looks like to be convicted about something and to actually respond to the conviction. This is me saying I was convicted last week, and I want to show that I am not idolizing delivery of a sermon, that I'm willing to just deliver God's message the way it is, with or without my points, I'm just trying to be an example for you guys. Prayerfully, you do the same thing. When you have convictions, you actually respond to those convictions by making immediate changes. So I'm very uncomfortable right now. I normally flow with my points, and that's how I memorize the scriptures. And I'm doing none of that this morning, so this is going to be real fun. So we're going to be in Malachi 1, verses 12 through 14. Malachi 1, verses 12 through 14. The scripture says, but you are profaning it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say, my, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick, so you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the swindler who is a male in his flock and vows it. But sacrifice is a blemished animal to the Lord, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. So, last week, we talked about how God's name is great. Um, not it, it will be great, and it is great. God is talking to the Israelites, the Israelite priests to be specifically. And in verse 11, go back, I mean, excuse me, 12, go back to verse 12. In verse 12, after he says in the context, my name will be great among the nations, he goes on and says, but you, looking at the Israelite priest, but you are profaning it being his name. So the word profaning there is, it has the same base and base understanding as the word profanity, right? Profanity is a word that we say is like whenever you use a cuss word, right? You use a cuss word, you're using profanity. You say bad words that I'm not going to say, <laughs> you are using profanity. It's foul language, it's foul, you know, foul words, things like that. But the actual definition in the Hebrew and the, for the word profane itself or profanity itself is to take reverence away from something. It's to lower something. It's to take something that is up here that is sacred, that is reverent, and to profane it or use profanity by bringing it down. So let's think about this real quick. Normally, we say the cuss words are profanity, but actually when you come in here and you worship God in this lackadaisical, leftover way, you're using profanity. You come in here, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul, have your way with me. When is this over? This is, that's profanity. That's profanity. When you sign up for a ministry and you halfway serve and give half of yourself and you're not there and you're not serving for the Lord, that's profanity. And this is what he's talking about. He's looking at the Israelites, the priests, and saying, the way that you're bringing this offering and the offerings that you are bringing, the offerings that you are accepting are profanity, blasphemy. You are causing the reverence of my name to look lower than what it is. How many of us do that today? How many of us did that this morning? Let's think about this. Because he's not looking at your actions, right? Some of us, we walk in here and we're like, well, I sang, right? I sang the worship song. I said all the words. I might even lift it my hand, but the question is, what's going on in your heart, right? It's, it's not, we say actions speak louder than words, but people go through the actions. So in this case, attitude speaks louder than words, right? I was talking to Tyler earlier this morning, and I told her, you know, because I don't have points and everything, I don't know how it's going to flow, so this is going to be a short sermon. She said, Okay. In that moment, she said, okay, right, like, okay, and I should take that as she agrees with me, but her little attitude about it, okay, told me that she didn't believe me at all. Even though she said it with her mouth, her attitude, right, the, the way she looked, okay, she, she kind of looked up, okay, I'm like, mm-hmm, you, you said that before, right? And, and, and I, it was kind of long, to be honest with you, i sorry. <laughs> but but that's, that's what's happening, it's the attitude, right? The attitude says it all. How many, times, how many of us got children? We got a lot of children out here. How many times have you told your child to do something, and they do it, but they do it with an attitude that lets you know they don't want to do it, right? You're like, clean your room. Fine! You know, and they're in there, and they're just throwing stuff in the drawer and slamming the drawer. You're like, forget it. You don't have to clean your room, then, if you're going to do it like that, you know? The attitude says it all, right? I, I'm cleaning my room, but, yeah, but the attitude you're cleaning it with is so disrespectful to me. You guys ever done that? You've you done that, right? You're like, yeah, I've done that before, right? Yeah, it, the attitude becomes disrespectful, right, Dad? You're like, yeah, you're doing it, but the attitude you're doing it with is disrespecting my name. It's disrespecting my authority. God is saying the same thing to the Israelite priest in this text. He's saying, "Yeah, you're doing it, but the manner in which you're doing it is disrespectful, disdaining." Um, go to the N.O.T. version, of this, version uh, of this verse right here. It says, "But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food." You're saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. So your actions and your attitude are speaking to those who are around you. There may be non-believers in the church right now, and what you're saying is, when you invite that non-believer here. And they come here and, they, and they, they're watching our worship and watching how we serve. You're telling them it's okay to be whatever about worship, right? They're looking at us and they're like, okay, I'm going to take a chance on this, all right? Charles, you invited me, bro. I don't know about this whole Jesus thing, bro, but I'm coming this Sunday. I get here this Sunday and I'm standing next to you and I'm looking around at this church and ain't nobody singing. Don't nobody really care. Is this what Christianity is? Because no, but, but that's what I'm seeing. This is what I'm watching. So at this point, at this point, you're, you're dishonoring God's name because me, as the non believer, I'm watching you. You're the Christian, not me. I didn't, I didn't claim Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't know that He's died for me. I don't know that God is the creator of the universe and all. I don't believe in none of that stuff. So when I'm watching you, and this is how you worship the person who died for you. <laughs> This is, this is how we serve the person who's died for us? This is, a, this is what, mo- you know, like, I'm watching this and I'm like, well, that's a very low view of God. And if that's your God, I don't need that God. I mean, people cheer louder for Andrew Luck than they do for God, right? They cheer louder for the Colts, for the Pacers, for all these human figures and these athletes. They go to a Garth Brooks concert. You know, they cheer for all these other people. But when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to God, we can't even lift our voices. You know what I mean? We know every single word to every secular song on the radio, but we come in here and won't and, and won't repeat the words that are right there on the you see what I'm saying? We 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 will we'll stay up all night and study hard and everything to get that secular education. But if I ask you to read your Bible, I'll do it for my degree. I'll, I'll read that chemistry book or that college book and pay, pay buco money, even go into debt to get this, this, this education. But let me tell you, go buy a Bible. I'm not spending 50 bucks on a Bible. You see what I'm saying? Let me tell you, take some time with God's word and wake up early in the morning and stay up a little late at night so you can educate yourself in the word of God. I don't like reading the Bible. But let it be a manual for you to get that job that they need you to understand. And you own that. You read that before they asked you. I already looked at the website. I know what this company is about. I did all my research. But you can't do that for, can't do that for God, though, right? So so he's looking at you, and he's, he's saying, go back to uh, the NASB version. I'm sorry. He's looking at Malachi 112, and he's saying, you, my name is great, but this is what you are doing, the priest. And I'm pointing at all of you who say you're believers because the Bible says in the New Testament church, you are a royal priesthood. That's in Peter. You are the priest of today. You are the, what's the sacrifice? You. You're the living sacrifice. You're supposed to be presenting yourself to the altar, presenting yourself on behalf of the other people. And he said, You're profaning my name. You're bringing, you're, you're taking the reverence away from my name. You are cussing my name. When you come in here and it's flaky worship, or when you're living your life Monday through Saturday and we can't tell that you're a Christian, but you claim it on Sunday, you make me look bad. You make me look bad cuz you, you you know how we are when we we take our children to the to the store and we look at them before they walk in and be like you better be on your best behavior. You know you talk through your teeth. You better be on your best behavior. Don't make me have to get ugly with you in here, right? Like like right? And and you and you talk through your teeth cuz you want them to be on it cuz because if they act out, then it's a reflection of you. And they get in the middle of the, hall, in the, middle of the aisle, the, the cereal aisle, and start throwing Captain Crunch boxes across the People are <laughs> going to look at you like, man, what kind of father, mother are you, right? But it's the same thing with God. When, when we act opposite of what he's called us to be, people are looking at us like, so hold on. So the Bible says this, and you just do whatever you want to do. Hmm, some God that is. Some, some king of your heart that is. So hold on, so you sing on Sunday morning, Lord, I give you my soul, but you're the most selfish, non-self, you know, non-sacrificial, self-serving, don't care about nobody, else, but Lord, I give you my soul on Sunday morning, right? Hmm, you're, you're taking his name and you're profaning it, it's profanity, it's, it's actual blasphemy when you do these things. You ever thought about that? that? That you're blaspheming God, that you're using profanity when you're half-hearted about the things you do? And this is what I said last service. I said, it's funny because we come in here and we're tired. We're like, well, Rashad, it's Sunday. I'm tired. I'm I'm tired because it's Sunday morning. And I was like, what time did you go to bed last night? I didn't go to bed until 1.30, but I'm tired. (laughs) And I'm like, well, what time did you go to bed the night before you got up to work out? Well, I went to bed early so I could have energy to work out. You know, I I had to work out at 5, so I went to bed at 8, so I could be ready to work out. I'm like, so so what about God? (laughs) What about working out in worship? Like, what about having energy for worship, right? Or what time did you go to bed Sunday night so that you could be ready for work, so that you could be up and have energy for work? You went to bed at a decent hour Sunday night because you knew you had to work Monday morning, but you can't do that for God on Saturday night? See what I'm saying? And, and, he, and, and then what you see is the context of all of this when he's like, you do more for your earthly masters than you do for me. He's like, your earthly master say be here at 8 o'clock and you are bright-eyed, got your cup of coffee on time, 15 minutes early, in your seat, ready to go. Your your heavenly master, your father, God, the one who died for you, says be here at XYZ about time or whatever. And you stroll in when you want to, tired, don't want to sing, grumpy and everything else. And he says, you are making me less than what you're making now. You're literally giving more reverence to your boss and your manager than you are God. You're looking at your boss and manager and say, you get my reverence. You get my energy and my time and my respect. As far as God, you get whatever's left over. Whatever's left over, you can have that. That's for you. When everything in the Bible says, everything in the Bible says, you give your first and your best to God, right? We don't, we, now, we ain't got a whole bunch of lambs and goats and stuff that we're bringing, right, John? We're not bringing a whole bunch of lambs and goats, but the sacrifice is you. It's you. You give the best of you and bring it to God. Not the last of you, which is what a lot of us do. We see Sunday as the last day of the week, right? So we're like Monday through Saturday, I gave my best to everything and everybody else and now it's Sunday. So when we ask you to serve or anything else, you're like, well, I'm tired, Rashad. I've given all my energy to my nine to five and to my relationship, to Netflix, to sports, to Facebook. I gave all my time to all these other things, so I don't, I don't have the energy for these kids. Well, hey, well, can you just smile at the door? I don't have the energy to smile. I don't even like these people, to be honest with you. <laughs> right? And so, so he says, so he says, You are blaspheming my name. You are using profanity in the church. I told you to be a living sacrifice. I told you to love not just one another, but even your enemy. And you can't even smile at the door. Guess what you got me looking like? So when we ask you these things, it ain't got nothing to do with Church on the Rock. We we could have... (laughs) I'm not worried about what church on a rock looks like, but if church on a rock is giving God a bad name, I'm sorry, I don't want to be a part of that church. I don't want to be affiliated with the church that is making, that is lowering the reverence, that is lessening the power of, of God in the eyes of the world. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be, I want to be a part of a, a body that brings glory to God's name. People look at us and they're like, man, you guys are so sacrificial. You just love in this this weird spiritual way and it's it's supernatural. It's like nothing I've ever seen. And God gets all the glory from that. But when it's the complete opposite attitude, it shows. It shows. So what happens is um, the day before Cameron went to be with Jesus, she was having a real good day, February 13th. And one of our church members, Amanda Williams, went to uh, see her and was talking to her in the hospital room. And Cameron, uh, she was telling Cameron that her, Don, and Elaine had came up to the church. I mean, excuse me, had came up to the hospital at 1 30 uh, in the morning, the morning before. And she was like, uh, Rashad came out and talked to us for about three, four hours. So we were like one thirty in the morning. We talked to about five thirty. Cameron said, Cameron's real sassy. Cameron was like, oh, so Rashad interrupted the women's ministry, right? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, Rashad interrupted the women's ministry. Elaine was, you remember that Elaine when we all was up there early in the morning? So she was like, Rashad interrupted the, the women's ministry? And she, they were like, yeah, Rashad interrupted the women's ministry. So then uh, she said, well, I'm going to tell him about himself, basically. She's like, I'm going I'm to get on him you know, for interrupting the women's ministry. And then Aaron, Cameron's mom, was like, hey, well, uh, when, when Rashad comes up here later on today, later on in the afternoon, you can tell him yourself. And then she goes, Rashad's coming up here later this afternoon and they were like, yeah, she said, yay, like that. <laughs> she did it just like that, yay, and with the air quotes, right? So, but I tell you that story because spiritually, we're living these air quote lives. Right? Spiritually, we're we're standing up, right? Spirit break out, you know, break our walls down. Like we don't really mean it. Really, yay, you know. We're 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 um, Lord, I give you, I give you my soul, you know? Hey, hey, I'm so, Charles, I'm so happy to be here, man. I'm, I'm so, John, I'm so happy to be preaching this morning. You know, I'm, I'm happy, you know? And this is the lives we're living. And this is what God is talking about. Like you are saying and doing all the things you're supposed to be doing, but all of it has like these air quotes around it. You're literally here because it looks right, or, or, or it's a checkbox. It's a box that you can check off and, and look right for us. But God's like, I see your heart. I see your attitude. I see that you don't want to be here. This is why two verses earlier, he's like, I wish you would shut the gates, shut the doors. You don't even want to be here. So, so why are we doing this? Because, because no worship is better than fake worship. We, we're so busy looking at non believers and saying, You need Jesus, you need Jesus. They, uh, for a lot of us, they could look at us and be like, like you got them. (laughs) You act like you got them. You're air quoting through everything that you're doing. You don't really mean it. If you did, we would see difference. Why? Because belief versus behavior, right? What I believe is going to show in my behavior, in my attitude, in my actions. But we're not seeing that. In, In the church in general, I'm not just talking about church on the rock. I'm talking about just period, Christians in general. So, That's normally where I say, and that's my point, but I don't have a point. So, (laughs) so, so, Malachi 113, the next verse. It says, You also say, My, how tiresome it is. So, excuse me. So, notice he's using the word say, but they're not literally looking at God and saying, Your table is despised, your food is defiled, my how tiresome it is. They're not doing that. It's their actions and their attitude that are saying it. And right here now, he's like, another way you're profaning my name, another way that you're taking reverence and bringing the reverence of my name down is in how you're complaining that it's a burden to even serve and worship me. And that's something we see today. The fact that we have to beg people to serve tells you how they view serving. The fact that we have to rally people up and say, hey, we really need you to serve, tells you how people view serving. It's optional to people. It's not supposed to be optional. Serving God, if, if, if you believe Christ died for you, if you believe the creator of the universe is your father and loves you, how is serving him optional? How is, how is worshiping him optional? We've, this is what we've done today in America. We've made church, like being the church, optional. You can literally be a Christian and not be the church. You, you can say, you, today it is accepted by pastors, by Christians, by whatever, to say, I'm a Christian, but I don't do none of the Christian stuff. Remember, Christ-like. You're supposed to be like Christ. But we, we just say the word, and it's like um, we... we all right, in the hood, we call it false flagging, right? Like, you say, I'm a G, I'm a vice lord, I'm a crip, I'm a blood, but as soon as somebody presses you on it, you put your colors away, and you're like, no, nah, man, I'm neutral. I don't want no problems. I don't want no smoke. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what, but that's what we're doing as Christians, right? It's like we'll say whatever looks good in the moment. Hey, I'm a Christian. Dave, I'm a Christian. I'm a you read your Bible? No. You, you pray, no, you go to church, no, nah, I don't need to do all that stuff. You worship, you sing, what do you do? Nothing, I'm just, I believe in Jesus. This is, this is who we are. Well, why don't you do that stuff? Man, it's so tiresome. You, people get on my nerves. That's why. Why don't you go to church? Because people get on my nerves. Like that, That's the same thing as saying how tiresome it is. Man, I saw you at church, why don't you sing? Because I don't like the songs. Man, why don't you serve? Because I hate the kids. <laughs> y- y'all laughing. Somebody here don't like kids. <laughs> Somebody here's like, I, I had my kids. I raised them up already. I don't, need- I don't like the kids. Yeah, it ain't about you. It's not about you. Sacrificial love, sacri- living sacrifice, right? But-, but this is what we do. We make up what being a Christian is in our own minds based on what we're comfortable doing. You know what? I go to church. That's good enough. The other stuff is tiresome. Rashad, I'm a teacher all week long. I'm not teaching on Sunday. It's like, hold on, hold on. So for a paycheck, for the government, for, you know, whatever else you'll, you'll teach, but when we ask you to use your gift, your talent, and remember, your education and all that good stuff, yeah, God gave you the brain you got. God gave, All that stuff you got, God give, gave it to you. And if you believe that, so you want to come in here on God's time, and be like, I ain't, this is for me. I'm here for me. That is not Christianity. That is not Christ-like. This is what the priests were doing. They were given the privilege to stand for the people and present the ark, and they were sick of it. They were tired of it. You're tired of worshiping God? And, and, and I ask that because this is what happens. Like, as Jason, as Lucy, as Charles, as Denise, as my wife— they have to tell me you can't preach, Rashad. They have, Denise, don't you look at my schedule and you're like, Rashad, you already got something there. And besides, you've been doing too much this week. I'm not scheduling that, right? Why? Because I have such joy, such joy preaching God's word, serving God's people with the gift he's given me. I, I want to do it as often and as much as possible. It's, the hardest part of ministry for me is saying no. It's ne- I'm never burdened or tiresome with it. Why? Because I actually get joy in Jesus in doing Jesus' work. If you don't have that joy, then your joy is not in Jesus. It's that simple. So this is the attitude we're supposed to have. 2 Corinthians 8. Let me get 2 Corinthians 8 real quick. It says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. So he's looking at a specific group of churches and saying, Let me show you what a good attitude in serving the Lord looks like. Next verse. He says, that in a great ordeal of affliction, so that means they were being persecuted as a church, in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. So in other words, they were, they were not only being afflicted as a church, like persecuted by those around them, but they were broke. They were a broke church. They they were poor. And yet, keep going. Next verse. It says, for I testify that according to their ability, so the money that they did have, but even beyond their ability, even the money they didn't have, they gave of their own accord. Keep going. And it says, begging us. You see that? Their church was begging Paul and those with Paul so that they could participate. They were urging for the favor of participation in support of the saints. In other words, they were begging to make a, a, a giving, an offering to Paul in their ministry so they could partner in with the gospel. We have to beg for people to partner in with the gospel. You see the difference in attitude? We beg you, leaders beg you, uh, the the pastors beg you to participate. Back then, the the church that would be the model example, the Philippian church, they were begging Paul, how else can we help? How much more can we give? We want to give till it hurts. Why? Because we just want to participate in supporting the saints for the sake of the ministry. We have joy in this. This is what we want to do. He goes on and he says, He says, and this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So they gave themselves to to the Lord first, and as a result, it overflowed into the people. This is how it should go in all relationships in Christianity. Look at your marriage. If you're married, let me tell you something. It's real easy, real easy to stop loving your wife the way you need to love her if you're loving her for her. It's real easy to stop loving your husband the way you need to love him if you're loving him for him. If I'm if I if my wife is loving me for me and I jack up all the time, then it's gonna be a real rocky roller coaster love. Why? Because it's based on me. But if my wife loves the Lord first, and as a result of loving the Lord in obedience to God, that love overflows to me, her husband, then even when I'm messing up, he ain't messed up, so her love doesn't change. You see that? Because her love for me is based on him first, me second. So even when I'm up, down, all around, she's like, I don't love you based on you alone. I love you based on him first. And he hasn't changed. He's the same today. Was it, what was it, yesterday, today? I'm, I'm just to make sure y'all awake, all right? I'm just making make sure y'all awake, all right? I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> y'all was all over the place. Tomorrow, today? Hold on. you forgot yesterday, right? But he's the same. He ain't changed, right? So when I change, when I mess up, my wife, my, God doesn't give my wife permission to leave me or stop loving me or any of that. Why? Because he's like, hold on, hold on, boo-boo. You, you made a vow to me to love him till death do us part. Sickness and health, good and bad. You made that vow to me. So You can't come up here and be like, it's the husband you gave me, Adam, right? It's the wife you gave. No, no. You made that commitment with me. So so, so, so what happens is he said, first they gave themselves to the Lord. Father, we'll do as you please, whatever you say. And if you lead us, even though we're broke, even though we're being persecuted, we're still going to do what we're supposed to do, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situations. But this is not how we love the Lord. We come in here and let our circumstances and our situations determine how we worship and how we serve and how we attend. If a church member gets on my nerves, I ain't going to church for a month. Take that. Take that. How dare you talk to me like that? I'm going to show you I'm not coming to church for a month. God's like, so you didn't gather like I've told you to because of a person. So so here's what you do. You've taken the name of God, you've made it lesser, and you've taken that person who offended you and made them God. See that? See how that works? You have profaned his name while elevating the name of the person who didn't got on your nerves. And it happens in marriages, it happens in ministries, it happens all, happens all over. You make them God because you ignore God and what he's called you to do because of your circumstances and your situations. So this is why we say... Um, um, 2 Corinthians 9 7. We say, This is how you give, right? We don't tell you what to give, we tell you how to give. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a what? A cheerful giver. That word, cheerful, in the Greek is where we get our word hilarious from. God wants a hilarious giver, right? Ha <laughs> ha! Take my money, God! Take it! Let me drop this thing in the offering right now. Ha ha ha! He wants a hilarious giver, flat out. Like, like, like. I mean, seriously. Like, you should not be like, got to write another uh, check, another ten percent, another. You know, got to work this other ministry. Uh, God, he's like, keep your money, bro. We don't need your money like that. Keep, keep. If that's how you feel, keep your money. I want somebody, if you look at the little giving things, there's a reason we chose those. Second Corinthians nine 7. Be a cheer. it's got smiley faces on it. If you look at that and you're frowning, or like I've seen somebody, it's probably a kid, but in case it was an adult, change the smile into a frown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's, that, then keep your, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't care if we have to shut the doors. Keep your money. I'd rather you not give it all than give begrudgingly. That's what the Bible says. He loves a what? A cheerful giver a hilarious giver one that enjoys giving he wants you to enjoy why cuz it's worship it's actually worship it's no different than singing to him but it's the same so so you take that and you put it in every area of the church if you're if you're here and, and you're singing with like this grumpy like little kid temper tantrum then just don't man don't sing it all to him huh like because he wants a cheerful singer, a cheerful song. Like If you went over there and signed those papers like, well, if he's just going to keep talking about it, I guess I'll put my name down for something. Well, then don't serve. Because that, all of that negates what he's trying to accomplish for you. For you. So, so they go back to uh, Malachi 1.13 for me. So they, they were saying that it was tiresome, and then they sniffed at it. That's like when you make that screw face when you're like, ugh. Like 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 if you um if you smell something that smells bad, you know there's a face. See, there's the face. Do it again right there mama. That's the face. That's the face right there. You see that? That's the face that he's he's like you're sniffing at my name. You're like like you're mm, about my name, right? Like it, it stinks to you. It's repulsive to you. It's degrading to you. Ugh, like that little face. And it's funny as I'm saying I see so all these little faces making it right now. You know? Hopefully nobody smells bad right now, but anyway, uh, you disdainfully sniff at it, um, says the Lord of Hosts, and you bring what was taken by robbery. So in the Hebrew, this could mean robbery, like physically taken by force, or it could also mean torn. And if you think of flesh, you think of um, um, animals like lambs, goats, or whatnot, and it could be like um, a blemished animal because the, the the meat was torn or the you know the the fur was torn, whatever. Most people go with robbery, but I just want you to know that when you look at it, it could go either way because of the way that it's put in the text. So robbery, taken by force, or torn. Or, or torn. And, I, and I always think of, like, um, I used to know a couple drug dealers, and when they would deal drugs and make their money, they would go to the church and be like, man, since God blessed me, let me go and put 10% in. And I'm like, that, it doesn't work that way, bro. <laughs> like that, You can't take money that you've done, you know, from sinning, and bring it to the Lord's house and be like, yeah, I'm doing my part. You know, God bless me on the corner. But no, it doesn't work that way. But this is kind of what they were doing. Like, hey, I, I, if in, in the cultural context, uh, certain, certain animals would be marked. And if I stole that animal, I couldn't go sell it anywhere else because it was marked. So if I can't sell it, well, I might as well present it to God as my offering. You see? And immediately God's like, so you're bringing me stuff that you've stolen? And offering it, and I'm supposed, I'm supposed to accept that. And then you're bringing me lame or sick things, you bring it as an offering, and I'm supposed to take that out of your hand. But this is what we do we give God our leftovers, we give God whatever's in our closet. We're like, you know, I, I, I said this a couple weeks ago or about a month ago when I was like, hey, we come and we say, I had these things in my closet, these toys that none of my kids are playing with. The Goodwill won't take it, so I brought it to the church. <laughs> like, that's what we do. We're like, Goodwill wouldn't take it. Neither shelter sheltering wings, so I just drop it off here at the church. Just take whatever, you know, just, I'm cleaning out my closet with leftover things and offering it to the church instead of saying, hey, can we have your first? Can we, can we have what you got before you go spending on your check? Can we have what you got before you've used all your energy? Before, can we be the first day of the week where we get your first time, your first energy, and, and the world gets the rest of your energy That's what God is saying. So um, at some point you have to look at that and you have to understand that uh, these priests, they were still doing everything they were supposed to do. Just like today, we're still singing, we're still serving, but there's something wrong with our souls, right? You can sing and serve all you want, but if there's nothing in the soul, then it's called religion. (laughs) It's called religion, right? And and, and you will get tired of religion, flat out. Whenever I'm starting to feel burnt out Pastoring, I start realizing I'm doing, I'm, I'm just being religious about serving you. I'm just going through the motions. I'm just, hey, I'm showing up for this because I have to. That, yeah, you'll get tired real quick. You will burn out. You'll stop wanting to go to church, stop wanting to meet with people. Why? Because you're only doing it for the religious reasons and you'll, you'll burn out. Religion is routine. But when it's real, it's a relationship. I love coming here, not because I'm doing my job. I love y'all. I actually have joy coming in these doors and talking to you. I'm hugging. I'm like, oh man, I ain't seen you in a couple days. Da, da, da. I love it when we when we got together. Those who did show up to the ministry meeting yesterday, it was about seven of us. John, we sat there for two hours, didn't we? We were there for two hours. It was only it was only seven of us, but we were just so happy to just be there, we start talking about God, start talking about ministry. And next thing we know, it was two hours. It should have been 30 minutes, but we just didn't. And, and I talk a lot, but. It, You know, but it worked out that way. So he says, hey, um, you you were disdainfully sniffing at it. You're tiresome. You're bringing the lame to sick and the things that were taken by robbery. And then finally in verse 14, look at this. He goes in verse 14, he says, But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So as I get ready to close this out right here, I want you to pay attention to this one because this one's going to hit in different areas. So you... The cursed in this context is God removing himself, all right? So cursed are you. I will remove myself from you. The benefits of our covenant cut off all these things. Why? Because the swindler or the cheat who is a male in his flock and vowed it is now sacrifice, sacrificing a blemished animal or a female animal, meaning... You don't have to make vows. That is not, the Bible doesn't say you had to make vows, but when you made them, you had to keep them, okay? So people were making vows. God, if you do this, I will give you this. God, if you bless me in this way, I will give you this. God blesses them, and then they're like, well, that's my best, that's my best male, you know, lamb. I know I said I would give it, I've gotten what I want. I'm just going to give them this instead, right? He says, curse those people. And we say, well, Rashad, we're not giving lambs and goats and stuff now, so this really doesn't apply to us. Are you married? Because you've made a vow, right? And when you made that vow, you were standing before God, and you said, you know, I will cherish, love, obey, honor, sickness and health, joy and woes and all this. You made a vow, Right? And that vow is more important than that piece of paper that you signed, you see? And that's why, and and think about this, that's why, like, there's times that I've I've married a couple and they forgot their marriage license at the wedding. They're like, we were so busy, we forgot our marriage license, can we not do the wedding now? I'm like, no, no, that marriage license is the paper for the state. (laughs) The vows are for God. If the paper was the marriage, then if the state legalized me marrying a pig, I could marry a pig, and as long as I sign it, it's a real marriage. But that's not true, right? No, it's not. So it's the vows, the vows before God that make the marriage. The paper is accountability. And that works for membership, too, because honestly, in a membership, we're asking you to make a vow. We're asking you to join us. You don't need to sign a piece of paper. That's for us because we don't know your hearts. We can't see your hearts. You can tell us that you're all in, air quotes, I'm all in, Rashad, right? And then you're really not all in, so we hold you accountable to the paper. But honestly, the vows between you and God. You ain't got to sign that piece of paper. You determine what you have said to God. But this is the thing. A lot of us are really flippant with those vows in our marriage, in our membership, in the things that we say to God in our hearts that nobody else knows. And God shows up, and then we just go back to breaking vows. And I'm not saying, you know, thanks to Christ, we don't have to deal with the curses necessarily. But do you have to deal with the things that come with breaking vows? Yes, you do. There are consequences to breaking vows. It's that simple there's consequences to breaking vows. So stepping outside of the serve theme that we've had, this is a good time to kind of look and and examine your marriage. It really is. And I I really want to say this because that's one of the best ways for Satan to attack a church is through the marriages, right? And what happens is you make these vows on the wedding day, in the moment. You you know, we do this whole big $1,000 thing for this one moment, And we get so caught up in all this stuff that we forget that the only thing that matters is the vows we make before God. And when you make those vows before God, he's looking at you and he says, don't be a swindler. Don't be a cheat. Don't say these things. Because here's the thing. Remember, you're not forced to make a vow in the Old Testament or the New Testament. You don't have to say, I do. You don't have to get married. Nobody's forcing you to get married. But when you willingly make those vows and then you cheat, cheat and and, and not just physically like adultery, like cheat because you just won't love them the way God told you to love them. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Die for her. Wives, submit to your husbands because he is dying for you. And when these things are happening, it's because we're breaking our vows. Our vows. And it, and it, and it, it conquers not just... Us in the household, it conquers the church you're a part of. And what ends up happening is we take the name of God and we profane it. Because people are looking at you. The Bible says the mystery revealed of the gospel is in the marriage. The marriage is the living illustration of the gospel. A husband dying to himself, giving himself up for his bride, the church, and the church seeing that he gave himself up and therefore submitting to his lordship because he died for them already. It's a mutual submission, and when that's not happening, we're profaning, we're using profanity in the church in our marriage. It's amazing. So this is what we want to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. This is what we want to do. We want to take this entire series, right, I can't believe I made it with no points. This is great. (laughs) We want to take this entire series from, from, from verse 1 to verse 14 in Malachi 1, and we want it to actually change something here at Church on the Rock. I don't want us to be saying, hello, my name is hypocrite. I want us to say, hello, my name is child of God. Hello, my name is unworthy to worship and still worshiping. Hello, my name is servant of the Lord. Hello, my name is bond, servant of the Lord. Hello, my name is surrendered to God. Because these words actually mean something to you. Once again, you can sit here and nod your head and say amen and hallelujah and all those good things and just be going through the motions, saying what you need to say to feel good about yourself. But God says, I see the attitude. I see the actions. That's not enough to just say amen and agree. The way you really show us that you agree is by actually changing something in your life. So our goal for this year is to make a devoted change. It's to say because we actually believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our souls, that we're actually behaving in a way that shows it. We're asking all of you to help us change the atmosphere in this place. We're supposed to look like a sneak peek of heaven for anybody that walks through that door. But when we're doing this half-hearted, lackadaisical, leftover worship, people walk in and they don't see heaven. They see something even less than a rock concert. This is supposed to be heaven. It's supposed to be glorifying God. So we're asking you to stand up with us and make that change today. Help us to not be hypocrites. Help us to actually be a church that brings glory to the name of God. get ready to close out we sincerely want a miracle to happen here in this place we sincerely want a miracle to happen in your lives in your marriages in your parenting in your workplaces your friends it all starts with surrendering to him it completely starts with surrendering to him as you surrender he starts to work from inside of you and the holy spirit takes over and starts to just do things that only god could do So what we're asking is that you you take this series, today's message. Don't let it fall on deaf ears. Let it actually produce something so that we can bring heaven here on Earth, so that we can manifest heaven right here on Earth, right here at Church on the Rock, right in your homes, your households, your workplaces. You can be the preview of heaven for the world, the light for the world. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we are thankful. This morning, Father, for your word in the first chapter of Malachi, for everything that you have taught us, that you have shown us. Father, I ask that the atmosphere actually is changing here. I'm so thankful for this family and friends who gather here from week to week. We've seen tremendous growth just from the beginning of the year. Father, I'm so so godly proud of my church family, so thankful for all the things that you're doing and moving among us. However, Father, we know that there's still so much more for you to expose, so much more for you to correct and to to blaspheme your name, Father, to take reverence away from your name. May we live in a way that you get the glory you deserve, Father, the glory you're worthy of, willing to sacrifice everything in our lives, Father, for your sake. I pray over this congregation, this church family. Father, I pray over the homes and the marriages, Father, I pray over the kids, pray over this community. May you just have your way with our lives so that the miracle can happen now. It's in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, name we pray. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you want any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.